Welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. We've got an exciting program lined up for you today as we talk about revival. There's a lot of expectation as to what God is doing, but more importantly, what He will do as revival sweeps around this world and has for now 2,000 years since the first revival in uh, the upper room some 2,000 years ago. Now, what's the process? I want to start here. What's the process of reviving or spirit outpouring? And obviously, this is according to the sovereign working of God and the blowing of the Holy Spirit into the upper room, into uh, anywhere his people are gathered. But the order of events, as we find it in Acts 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, is that the first thing we do is we get up into the upper room and we pray. Prayer. The precursor to revival is a heart to pray. It's getting our feet right down into the Red Sea, toes into the Red Sea, still need the waters to part. hasn't happened yet. Raise the stick, look up, and wait. Okay, those are the instructions. We, We rely upon God. We look to God for reviving of ourselves, of our families, our our church community. And, and our nation, we're looking to God for this. That's why prayer. Prayer is the precursor to revival. A desire for revival, a sense of a need for revival, is an obvious precursor to revival. And that's, that's what we want first, is that there is a burning interest, a, a, a fervor, a zeal, and uh, a crying out to God for reviving. And uh, so today we're going to talk about that. Now it's going to yield to a mission's fervor. And that's what we find in Acts 2. We run out into the temple grounds and uh, people are engaging in intercultural uh, discussions and, and, and preachings and teachings concerning the mighty works of God. They can't help but share it. They can't help but get out there. There's a massive motivation to get the message out. And that's what happens with a revival. A revival doesn't just, it's not some emotional outpouring and Everybody goes home and turns on the television set, gets back in their lazy bow recliner and just relaxes. Click, click, click. That, that's, that's, not, that's not reviving. Reviving is spiritual life that yields fruit, fruitful endeavors, missions, outreaches. All right, so that's, that's what we're looking for. And by God's grace, we find it throughout history. Exciting stories. I've collected some of them in my book. Taking the world for Jesus, ultimately every major outreach that's happened as the kingdom of God has spread from shore to shore and pole to pole has begun with a spirit outpouring. And uh, these are some of the most exciting times, transforming nations, transforming a world by the work of the Holy Spirit of God and the, uh, the redemptive work of Jesus. It's uh, already obvious everywhere around the world. All right. Well, my guest today is Rick Cross. He has authored part of the book, The Case for United Prayer. A neat little book about prayer. Um, Just a short synopsis. Got some Jonathan Edwards stuff in it. um, And our guest, Rick Cross, has some inputs. Also, Rick is uh, the primary... uh, involved person acorn global advance we want to get into that as well but first let's talk about prayer rick welcome to the program welcome 
Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much. It's a joy to be with you. And let me give you a little background as to what's going on in terms of the reviving that's going on in our community. And I want you to testify to what's happened in your life as you've gotten a vision for this. I sense something of a reviving going on, an interest in revival, an interest in prayer began, I'm going to say, some 10 years ago in our church community. It began with me and my wife showing up. My daughter would come in as well. And then spread into other brothers in the church, and then we began to uh, to, to meet on a regular basis every Wednesday, and then it was uh, now six or seven prayer gatherings in our tiny little church community out here in the Eastern Plains of Colorado. And then about, I'm going to say, seven, eight years ago, I began to reach out to the local pastors. I had read a book on the Welsh revivals of the 1850s and found that revival happened when pastors from multiple denominations got together and said, we're putting away our denominational distinctives for a moment, and we're going to bring together the evangelical pastors and just cry out together, because if the Spirit is going to visit our nation, the Holy Spirit is coming to this denomination. He's going to crawl over the walls and make it into your denomination. This is going to be a multi-denominational Holy Spirit outpouring. That's what we're going to pray for in this community. So that's what we began in our little community out here in the Eastern Plains of Colorado uh, about eight years ago now, it it turned weekly. I'm going to say that turned weekly in 2020, in March of 2020. That's when pastors, the pastors came together. It became, I would say, an essential element of our pastoral lives. I'd say that's how I would define it at this point. I was just with the brothers on Friday. We do it on a weekly basis now, and it's a beautiful time. And I, I sense there's something going on, Rick. So again, I've taken too much time, but... I sense there's something happening, and the progress happens when there is a mind to pray. There is a commitment, a heart to pray among God's leaders first, among the pastoral leaders in the community, and then I think it just spreads throughout the uh, the rest of the church community. So that's that's what's happened here. Give us some of your perspective on this. Absolutely. Well, I'm really glad that that's happening there. And uh, we can pray that that will continue and that will happen many other places. I would like to say that I, I haven't seen it happen in a lot of places, but I do believe God is working to bring that about. Um, one of the things that uh, really arrested my thoughts was about the same time. I think it was probably 2010, I would say. Okay, okay, uh, right. I was looking at... I don't, at our own prayer meeting, and um, I was pastored a church north of Denver. I was looking at our prayer meeting. I was not satisfied with the fact that the least attended service of our church was the prayer meeting. And uh, I saw that in the scripture, the Lord said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So I wasn't talking about the church, but I was talking about at least the gathering of God's people ought to be characterized by prayer. Um, the Lord's Prayer was uh, our Father, not necessarily my Father. I mean, men ought always to pray and not to faint. So there was a heavy emphasis in the New Testament on God's people praying together, and I was not seeing that in our church. Okay. So like you, I started studying uh, different parts of culture and revival history, and I saw the New York City revival history. I saw Jonathan Edwards, um, a lot of different things that went into the matter of God's people praying together. And we started talking about it as a staff, as a, as a church staff. 
And we started praying together as a church staff. And then we started with our deacons and with our, with our leadership of our church. And then we started it on our Sunday evening service. And it was not unusual to have our entire Sunday evening service disrupted by singing. And, and in, even in the midst of the singing, there would be praying and there would be scripture read. It was just a very organic, um, it was natural. Mm. It was like breathing air, heaven's air in our, evenings, in our Sunday evening service. Um, it was completely different. And uh, I even had somebody say once, uh, the, the reason people don't come to our Wednesday evening service is because they've been to our Wednesday evening service. And it was, it was mm-hmm. dead. It was just, uh, okay. but then the okay. Wednesday evening service became alive. And mm-hmm. it became the favorite service of many. Okay. So with that, uh, I just began a journey. And uh, as you, I have tried to uh, collect people around me um, to pray. And uh, I, I'm involved in a, a daily Zoom prayer meeting. Um, I, would, uh, I would even encourage this, that uh, there are some things globally that are going on that are striking as far as God's people praying together. And I think some of it has to do with the American mindset. The American mindset regarding prayer is often it defaults to personal prayer, but many places in the, in the world, the default is united prayer or corporate prayer. So uh, it's not unusual for the Asian church to gather together for prayer. It's not unusual for the African, especially West African churches, to, to gather together for prayer. Um, that's just the way they think. And Americans are so independent from each other that it's very difficult for us to e- even, even to talk about corporate prayer to a pastor sometimes is, well, he says, well, well, we, yeah, we pray before the offering <laughs> or we pray when we close the service, but to gather many people and especially other pastors together to pray is unusual. But this is something of a precursor to reviving. Why, why is that, do you think? I think the biblical pattern, and especially there in even Acts chapter 4, so after Peter and John were released from, from being detained for preaching the gospel, the first thing they did was they gathered together for prayer. Yes. And, uh, and then right after that, I mean, they, they prayed, that, and the prayer that they prayed is recorded for us, and they start off with adoration of who God is. They don't start off with their want list. They start off with adoration, and as a result of praying even for boldness, um, the place wherein they met was shaken. So I think there was a, a Holy Spirit work that came as a result of God's people praying together. And, and you saw that in the New York City Businessmen's Revival, 1857. I know you have covered some of this in your book, The Case for United Prayer. And I want you to touch on some of that. Just go back into history. Give us a few examples. Yep. I mentioned the Welsh Revivals absolutely began with multiple pastors coming together for prayer. Same thing I think you had on the Korean Pentecost. In fact, you had a little more on the Pente- Korean Pentecost than I was aware of. But wow, it began with a heart for prayer. It did. Absolutely. And really a heart to see business leaders engaged um, and church people that weren't engaged to become re-engaged with church. So Jeremiah Lanfear, the fellow that was uh, really the catalyst for this, uh, just decided, I'm going to put out handbills. I'm going to encourage business people at noon to come and pray and pray for revival, pray for the advance of the kingdom of heaven. And a few did, and then a few more did. And uh, there's enough history recorded now to where we know that there was probably at some point during those couple of years, there was 10,000 people a week coming to know Jesus as Savior. 
Um, one of those, one of the facets of that revival um, was is very interesting to me. Sailors were coming in off their off their military vessels into this prayer meeting. Some had never heard of this before. Some of them were trusting Christ as Savior. As a result, they were going back to their their navy vessels and asking the captains, "Could we have a prayer meeting on the vessel?" Okay. And he often was an unbeliever, and he would say, "No, we're not going to do that." So they went down to what is now Battery Park in Lower Manhattan, and they would they said that we're going to launch our prayer cannon uh, cannons at the ship, and for every day <laughs> okay. they would they would launch their prayer cannons at the ship, and within there's books on Amazon about this, and within two or three weeks those those captains would would trust Christ as Savior, and instead of prohibiting prayer they would make it mandatory <laughs> and even in their quarters we, you come we, into my quarters and let's let's pray we we, so, we, we uh, need to do that in the state capitals or washington dc let's get some cannons going, some prayer cannons going Ab- that's exactly right and so uh and and we have actually seen that even um as a result of this zoom prayer meeting it's at unitedprayer.net um we're on day 720 something that we've been praying every day at noon. So, um, just a little, little, uh, story. I was in, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, speaking at a church on corporate prayer. Um, some of the group that's on this United prayer call, um, wanted to, wanted to meet. There's, uh, some seminary students. We met at a restaurant and, uh, this, a fellow named David said, um, I know a girl in Columbia who's an unbeliever She's a fashion model. She's in a new age cult. She's an unbeliever. Could we turn our prayer cannon on Anna? And um, so that was on a Saturday. On Monday, we started praying for Anna as on this Zoom prayer meeting. Wednesday after the prayer call, we call it just call it the prayer call. Um, David said, "Okay, I'm going to call Anna and I'm going to give her the gospel." Thursday morning, a Thursday at the next prayer meeting, David said, "Anna last night trusted Christ as Savior." Hmm. And wow. uh, this coming August. In Venezuela, David and Anna are going to be getting married. Um, okay. <laughs> Anna then wow. said, "I've got a, I've got a friend that's in the same modeling agency in Spain. Her name's Valentina. Could we pray for Valentina? Valentina has now become a Christian. Hmm. So, I mean, we had there's story after story after story connected to God's people praying together, and uh, as a result, people come to know Christ, and even even churches now being revitalized and seeing uh, even a small-scale revival within the church as a result of corporate prayer. It's interesting that you got the corporate prayer program with SermonAudio.com going about the same time. We had a regular prayer meeting established uh, across denominational lines here in this valley in early 2020. So you really, but you've got a daily worldwide corporate prayer advance that has happened in, in this last, what, two and a half years. How, tell, tell us a little more about that and how folks can join in with that. Yes, absolutely. So unitedprayer.net has a, has a write-up on it, and there's a way to uh, get a link to, to join in. We usually start it lasts for an hour, Eastern time, noon to one o'clock. Uh, starts off with a very brief devotion. Somebody, uh, usually a pastor or a church leader, gives a short devotion at the very beginning. And then we just pray, and primarily we're praying for revival. We're not necessarily praying for traveling safety and health needs, and although some of those things do come up, we're basically praying for gospel advance. 
Um, hmm. One of the, and we do this, and it, we just, it's systematic. We choose uh, Stephen Lee, the owner of Sermon Audio, the founder of Sermon Audio, hosts it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I host it Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And usually we, we raise virtual hands on the, on the prayer meeting. We select a couple, we pray, and then we select another couple more, and we pray, and then we try to end right at, uh, at the top of the hour. Um, one of the enjoyable things is there's a, there's a fellow, I'll not give his name, he's, a, he's an Iranian fellow. He's on often on our prayer, this prayer meeting. He's actually pastoring just outside of London right now, but he's, uh, he, he preaches in Farsi. He uploads to Sermon Audio. He told us the other day that he's now tracing 35,000 downloads a month into Iran. Amazing. And he said, I'm getting, I'm getting email all the time about people coming to know Christ as Savior. Mm. But lately, as a result of he says, please, he says, if, you, if somebody's going to try to tell you that corporate prayer doesn't work, he says, tell them this. He said, uh, a while back, I got a note from a printer, and, um, and I'll just say it's in a major city in, in Iran. Um, he said, I'm not ready to become a Christian yet, but he said, I've been listening to your sermons and I've been, uh, been listening to how you guys pray. And he said, I am, I'm a Muslim, but he said, I'm, and I, my job is to print Qurans. And he said, uh, I have an entire warehouse of chronic paper. And he said, I really don't want to print any more books of Quran. I want to, is it okay if I just print Bibles? Okay. So now he is printing wow. the from the wow. warehouse of chronic paper. He's printing the Holy Bible and people are now coming there um, to pick up Bibles to distribute throughout Iran. Um, and this fellow, this pastor said, please, let's keep praying. <laughs> God's at work. So, mm. uh, and I could fill up the rest of your afternoon with stories yeah. about what's coming from God's people praying together. Well, uh, my house shall be called a house of prayer. I want to get to the the fullest manifestation of your, your vision, Rick, in just a moment. But folks, if you would like the case for United Prayer, you can get a copy at sermonaudio.com. Or if you take the time to write Rick a note at acornglobal.org, you'll get a copy for free. So so if you want to get in contact directly with Rick, you can pick up a copy of the case for United Prayer for for free at uh, his website, acornglobal.org. But just hit contact and uh, and send uh, an email to Rick. Rick, uh, tell us a little more about acornglobal.org. As I already laid out, the first thing, that the precursor to revival is prayer. We get on to spiritual reviving, whether it's happening the micro or the macro, either way. But uh, inevitably, it's going to play out in missions fervor. You, you, you want to get the message out. We, we're, we're in the midst of a, a massive worldwide outreach for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is the mission. So tell us a little more about how, you know, ordinary people, ordinary business people can get involved with this. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to put a little caveat on your offer of, of a free book, probably just in the U.S., um, but also um, I, would, I would encourage, if you're going to ask for a free book, I would also ask that you visit the United Prayer Meeting at least twice. And um, and if that if you'll commit to to seeing what we're doing online on Zoom, then I'll be glad to send you a free book. Acorn Global Advance came about because of seeing our culture, an entrepreneurial culture of networking and innovation, and seeing what God does in churches, even even in just small areas of people um, being engaged in business ventures for their own benefit, which is fine. 
um, we got thinking, what if we could harness this culture for the advance of the gospel? So in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we saw that um, there, was, there were four things that the early church was involved in. The apostles' teaching, break, uh, fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers. I pastored a church, I've been in pastoral ministry for 32 years, and I could say probably the uh, Americans, at least you know, I'm talking in, a, in an American context, Americans do three of those things really well. We're doing, we do well on teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, but many churches don't pray together, and many Christians don't understand what it is to pray together. We, we default to personal prayer. So uh, after that, after that, part of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says awe came upon every soul. That was always intriguing to me. I've always wondered what, what that awe was. And, um, but then following that, at the very end of the paragraph, the, the, the paragraph uh, ends by saying, and the Lord added to the church day by day those who were being saved. So there were two results, at least of the, the things that we were, that was describing the early church. Um, there were two results that were coming, awe and People come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And in the middle of those two things were two other things. One of those was that people were selling their possessions and belongings and giving to those in need. At Acorn, we're, we're labeling that as innovation. So they weren't necessarily writing checks from their, from their weekly amount of being paid. This was, this was above their livelihood. They were finding things to sell um, so that they could generate income for those in need. We don't have 3,000 people trusting Christ right now. We would love for that to happen, but we do have gospel advanced needs. And so uh, we encourage people to be involved in entrepreneurial innovation, developing income streams above their livelihood to fund gospel advance, whether that be local church, whether that be uh, global missions projects. Uh, we just want to see God's people engaged in really even developing income streams for gospel advance. And then Later in that paragraph, it talked about them receiving their food with glad and generous hearts. So they were in the temple. They were ministering to people. They were selling their shovels so that Joe could have bread and uh, coming back to their tables and talking about it. And, and there was a, a, an enthusiasm, and we're calling that networking. And they were basically, I think, at least it, it appears, they were kind of wondering, how can, how can we get others involved in this? And as a result of these things, the Lord added to the church day by day. So Acorn Global Advance focuses on corporate prayer, and as God's people are praying, innovation and networking happen. And uh, we would just love to see this uh, grace business thing continue to happen. And um, Brother Kevin, it is, uh, it is, so, in, it is so incredible. I could, I could for, for the last year and a half, Acorn is only about a year and a half uh, old, we have seen story after story after story of God's people praying together and God opening the doors of innovation and networking for gospel advance. And um, so that's that's where we're what we're after. No, we're after the awe of God using people in gospel. There advance. there have to be millions of outreaches going on all over the world. I mean, this thing is out of control. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. Jesus bringing his church to every tribe and nation around the world. But how does, you know, the average church community, the average family, the average businessman know what to fund, where to go, what yes. to get behind? Yes. yes. 
Well, first of all, I, I always encourage people that the local church comes first. I encourage people to talk to their pastors and their missions committees and find out how they can be involved. Right. Um, but also the creativity is what comes, I believe, as God's people are praying, for instance. Um, and I don't understand this, and the guy that told me about this doesn't understand this, but a, a friend of mine that I've developed a friendship with um, goes to Walmart. I mean, he, he was wondering, what can I do? He went to Walmart and bought a Hewlett Packard printer, put it on eBay for twice the price that he paid for it, and sold it. <laughs> okay. Now, every Saturday, he goes to Walmart. He buys every one of those printers that Walmart has, puts them on eBay, fills his garage up with these printers, uh, sells them on eBay for twice the price he paid for it, and he is funding gospel projects from his eBay business. Um, another fellow that uh, just retired out of... Um, uh, the Bronx. He was a pastor in the Bronx. When he's cleaning out his desk, he found three buffalo head nickels in his drawer. Went on eBay to figure out what they're worth. He said they weren't worth much, but he said, um, I found that there were other people selling these buffalo head nickels. So I bought enough, I, and I'm trying to remember the story exactly, but he bought enough to start to parse them out into groups of 10. And uh, he started selling. He, he's now he started about a hundred dollars a week income. Now he's up to four hundred dollars a week income. He's buying him in lots of three thousand. And he said, "Who would have ever thought that selling buffalo head nickels online could generate money for missions?" And um, it's called so, it's called innovation. <laughs> absolutely, it is. It is the entrepreneurial culture that we have right now. Um, and it's, uh, there are story, there's story after story after story of people that are saying, God, what can I do? God, they pray together. I encourage people to develop prayer teams. Uh, in fact, every day at 243, because of Acts 243, where awe came upon every soul, we have people all over the world praying at 243 in churches. They're praying for Acorn. They're praying for their own local church. Um, and God, would you show us how we can be involved in harnessing our culture to raise funds for the advance of the gospel. Mm. Um, and it is it is happening, and God's uh, at work. It's uh, God is honoring the hearts of his people. And the Lord has us here for a reason, my friends. Let's take advantage of the opportunities he puts in front of us. Let's pray for those opportunities. And this message applies to every single family, and I'm going to say family economy, that is participating in this radio broadcast right now. So it's no reason for you to say, uh, I don't have a part to play in this uh, this kingdom. <laughs> I don't have a part to play in this church. Uh-uh. You have a part to play. Uh, just pray for that part to play. And uh, the Lord will show you, as uh, Rick has shared with us today. Rick Cross is our guest. And again, the book, uh, I recommend The Case for a United Prayer. Available at uh, his website, acornglobal.org, or just sermonaudio.com. Either way, Rick, thank you. Thank you. Wow, this has been good. Get a little more vision for the kingdom of God and our involvement in it today. Thank you, my friend. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my brother. God bless you. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.